Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for this very warm June afternoon that you've given us to come here and worship you. Thank you for the air conditioning that we're enjoying in this portion of the the church. Even if it's not the sanctuary, Lord, we're just thankful for all the blessings you bestow upon us. Thank you that we're able to be here. And we thank you, Lord, for all those who are here and all those who will hear this message by some other means and some other time. And we just ask that your anointing flow. Use me today, Lord, to help to edify your children and to bring those who are not a part of your kingdom into the kingdom. And make us stronger, Lord, to walk in your ways and your will and your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Well... I was thinking about Psalm 23 today. So turn over there and we'll see what the Lord has to say. It's a familiar passage of Scripture, which is why I want to just linger there. Because I'm confident that most of you are familiar with it. As I want us all to be familiar with so many other passages of Scripture. Because that's that's where we receive our protection from the enemy. We'll talk a little bit more about that. But we're called to a life of faith, aren't we? Matter of fact, the Bible goes on to say anything that's not of faith is is sin. And in another place, it just kind of gives you an option. It's either fear or faith. And so we don't want to live a life of fear, knowing that fear is not of God. And so we want to grow in faith. I refer to it sometimes in these modern times, always trying to find different ways to reach different people. But I've used the example of like, uh, you know, the Star Wars and all these (laughs) movies and things. Everybody familiar with space. And now we even have a new space army. You know, uh, you could join the space army, I guess. It's going to be pretty soon. That's pretty cool. But I describe faith as that tractor beam that pulls in all of the provision of grace that has already been provided through the cross, through the atonement of Jesus Christ on our behalf. All the things that have been put on account already on account for us in the spiritual realm. Now that doesn't mean in Ephesians 1 it says that that it's already been done and, and Peter opens up It says the same thing, that it's already been done, already been placed on account for us. And he says that every spiritual blessing in heavenly places, and that doesn't mean it's all in heaven waiting on us, because all of the 
provision of God for his children is already here for us to take advantage of now. Although it's not in this natural realm in a bank account, it's in a spiritual realm. But we are spiritual beings. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says that we're spirit, soul, and body. God is a spirit. 1 John 4.24 And those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. So we're formed in His likeness or in His image. So we are a spirit with a soul, a mind, a will, emotions, a personality right around in a body. And we need to learn how to operate in that spiritual realm if we want to be able to take advantage of all the things that have been provided for us by a spiritual being into a spiritual account, you see? Doesn't that make sense? But he has made a way or ways for us to make withdrawals from that account, never ever depleting it in any way. So, the power of the Christian comes through understanding of the Word of God. And the administration of that knowledge, or the application of that knowledge. In other words, you could know everything there is to know about God and His ways, but until you put them into practice, they're not going to benefit you much. So there's a lot of spiritual laws in place, just like there are natural laws. I use the example all the time about um, gravity. I use examples about electricity. People understand those laws at a very early age. We start working on those babies, those toddlers. Because for some reason, they all want to stick stuff in the outlet. <laughs> and so that becomes a big no-no. And to their astounding, <laughs> to their amazement, it, it's a very serious crime for some reason. And we know why, because it's something that can be very dangerous. And so when we take it very serious, it's because we want them to, you know. The same way with uh, gravity, which I always say is God's law that he put in place for our benefit. Without it, we would just fly around in space and we would all die very soon, right? So it's keeping us grounded. But it can kill you as well, can it? You step off a Empire State Building, you're history. And you can't blame God for that because it's something you should have known. So most reasonable people understand things like that, yet they continue to blame God for the things that are or are not happening in, the, in their spiritual life. And I think in many cases, it's just like that baby that's fourth and fifth and tenth time keeps sticking its little fingers in that light socket until finally the light goes on and says, okay, I'm not going to do that anymore. And we hope that it's because it's learned from our correction and not because it has to get zapped first, you know. God wants the same thing for us. I hope they'll learn from my word 
and from all the other characters I used in this book, all the mistakes they made that I put in here not to shame them for eternity, but to help others who are going to go down the same roads they went to keep them from making the same mistakes. But what I find again and again and again is that Christians, and the recording can't see the air quotes here, but they're there. Because I think people use that term too lightly that they don't have a great understanding or make it more personal relationship with the Word. The Word of God is the Lamb of God. This Jesus is the Word made flesh, was the Word made flesh when He was here. And so this scroll, as it were, in totality is a, a very perfect and accurate depiction of Christ himself. This is who he is. This is a spiritual book. He said, my words are spirit and life. And this is him. He's a spiritual being just like us. Although he came in a body, he had to do that to save us. We were stuck on four. <laughs> Oh, I forget. Some of y'all haven't read my book. But anyway, <laughs> there's biblical numerology for everything. The Hebrew alphabet is every letter has a number. Anyway, the, the number four that I was talking about, we got Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. One, two, three. Four is creation. Us, the world. Corruption entered into that number four, didn't it? In the form of sin. In the Garden of Eden. Seed was corrupted. Nothing we could do to undo that. Once we allowed Satan in, everyone's nature was corrupted by that sin. And disallowed from being in the presence of a holy God forever. Stuck on four. Nothing we could do to save ourselves. So then comes five, grace, redemption, through Jesus Christ. So he came in the form of a man because it had to be a kinsman redeemer. God gave the authority to man in the garden and man gave it away. So it had to be man who saved us. And it was Jesus, we know, who led that perfect life on our behalf and then died a terrible death to redeem us. So now everything he provided through that death on the cross, the resurrection, and enthronement is grace. He became poor that we might be rich. He dealt with the curse so that we could live the blessed life. 
He dealt with shame. So that now we can run boldly right into the throne room of God. Without condemnation or fear of punishment or judgment. Because Jesus bore that for us. Amen. Let's look at Psalm 23 for a moment. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Tavana and I came up, well, you know that for most of our lives we thought we were Christians. We were those air quote Christians. <laughs> But we did whatever we wanted to do. (laughs) We lived however we wanted to live. What do you call that? A a hedonist? A hedonist? H-E-D-O-N. Hedonistic. Those who just think that life is just all about pleasure and the satisfaction of your own self. You know, whatever feels good, do it. You know, if it's good for you, do it. Do unto others before they do unto you. That sort of thing. But Christians, a carnal Christian, no, uh, well, you could call it, well, they wouldn't, you see, I don't even call that, that's not even a Christian, so, so to call it a carnal Christian is really not, not fair to the real Christian. You can have a carnal Christian, but not permanently, you know, we might, we might go in and out a little bit here and there, but it says those of you who are spiritual Gently restore those who slip away. And careful, you don't get caught up in it yourself. I was at a church one time where I had someone who was spiritual try to restore some gently who had slipped away. And they closed down the whole place because of it. (laughs) Oh, that's legalism. (laughs) Nevertheless... We know that's not the truth. A real Christian is one who has accepted not just the Savior part, but the Lordship part. Lord and Savior. Isn't that what the book says? And that Lordship is where people trip up. I love the forgiveness part. I love the grace part. But I can't let you tell me what to do. It's my life. That person has not really gotten there yet. They've never had a real encounter with the Lord that will produce fruit, lasting fruit. The Lord is my shepherd. We need to make it very personal. When you, need to, when you read that, just stop right there sometimes and say, My shepherd, the Lord himself is my shepherd. I shall not want. What I was getting at is that Tavana and I when we really got saved, we came up through some different ministries that, and, and, and they taught that that was a command right there. I shall not want. That's a command. <laughs> if, you want if you want for anything, you're in sin, you see. So everything was very rigid there. That was tough. But that's not what that's saying. That's saying because the Lord is my shepherd, everything that I need has been provided for. And always will be. 
Hello. Big difference, huh? <laughs> when I hear that the other way, I think of that, if it's that tiny Tim or whatever, that, sir, may I have some more? No. <laughs> you, know? you know? God's not like that. He's a good shepherd, isn't he? He said that about himself. That's why I know that that's true. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. I have cattle, and so I certainly can appreciate the rain. Makes the pastures green. And when I see the green grass, it makes me happy. Because that's food for them. And have you ever lied down in a green field of grass or... It's just nice, isn't it? Just nice. Surrounded. And if you're a sheep, <laughs> you're just laying down with your provision all around you, just popping up. <laughs> That's a nice place to be. He leads me beside the still waters. Yesterday we were out on Galveston Island and it was windy and the waters were pretty rough out there. And while we love it, I sure wouldn't want to be too far out in it on my own in that rough water. Just like people that say, well, I don't go to this church or that church because of a bunch of hypocrites. Sure, there's hypocrites there. I don't go to this church because, oh, this pastor offended me or this one. I don't like the music. I don't like this. I don't like that. Well... Well, the joke is always, of course, when they find the perfect church, it won't be perfect anymore because they're there, right? But the real truth behind it all is that you should be wherever you pray and the Lord tells you to be, where he gives you that peace where you have an assignment because you're just as much a part of that church as the pastor is. Just because he's driving the bus... You also have a seat on the bus if God has assigned you to that bus, you see. You just have to figure out where your seat is. <laughs> the whole point is that it's much better to be on a leaky vessel than to be swimming by yourself out in that vast ocean of rough water. But this peaceful water, this still water... <coughs> It's very serene and calm, isn't it? Everybody loves that. I was telling my nephew, man, because I took him the day before, and we went down and got us some live shrimp, and we just went out wave fishing anyway, even though it was 15, 20 mile an hour winds. And I know, I told him the water's muddy, the water's rough. There's literally slim to no chance. You might foul hook a speckled trout today, but you ain't really got much chance to catch. But you never know. And we just wanted to go. We missed the water and he'd never been in that in the ocean fishing, so I took him. But I told him when it's when you really need to come is when the water is like glass. And you can see the the slicks pop up because the speckled trout there they have an oily presence and it pops up a slick and it smells like watermelon. And boy, you can just throw that way. Oh, it's so fun to hear that line sing and you catch a big game fish like that. That's the time when it's really just wonderful just to be there, you know. The still waters. <clears throat> we have a, 
a picture on our wall in the living room that I bought Tavana for her birthday when Brutus, our, pit, our bull mastiff, passed away. And he was our nine-and-a-half-year-old baby. He was 140, 50 pounds, you know, and uh, when he passed on, it left a big void. And uh, I bought her a, a, a painting by Thomas Kincaid uh, and <clears throat> spent like uh, 20 times more than I wanted to for it. And, uh, but it's beautiful and it hangs there and, and it's got a, a little cottage, you know, how he's famous for the putting the lights and the painting, the, the painter of light, they call him. And you can almost vision see yourself in that cottage so warm and the chimney's always going but it's right on the on the ocean and the water's breaking on the on the rocks and the sea and the, it looks so not very inviting you know it's pretty troubled waters there but then off to to the right of the house is just a little narrow path and that's we know that's the the path that the lord was calling us down you know so many want to go down that that vast ocean and the troubled waters, that broad highway to hell, as it were, the road to destruction, the Lord says, that most people go down. But uh, the path to life is narrow, and only a few find it. I don't remember. He restores my soul. The Lord is my shepherd. He he restores my soul. This is a... This is something that should comfort everyone when they're reflecting on this passage of Scripture. What I'm doing is I'm meditating on this. I'm chewing this up. I'm talking about this Scripture because this is one that you already know or you heard. And you should know a lot of them like this. Find the ones that speak to you. That can bring comfort in the time of need. When you find yourself, for some unknown reason, out in the midst of that vast ocean. And it seems like you're all alone with nothing but sharks all around you. And you regret being there. And everything that got you there. But right now, you're there. This is what you need. You need the truth of God's word to be able to draw on in faith and to stand on and to call upon him and to trust in him. He's the one who restores your soul because most of the vast oceans and troubled waters of our lives are not literal. They're right here between your ears, aren't they? That's where the enemy wreaks havoc in our lives. And just like a broken watch, maybe not a good example, people just throw things away nowadays, but let's just say people still take their watch to the watchmaker. But that's where it should go to get repaired. We don't have the touch and the tools and the, to do that tedious work on that small little performance piece. The watchmaker does, though. And so does our God. When it comes to us, 
He's the one who can make the needed repairs, the minor adjustments that make all the difference in the world. Restore my soul. To bring back to a place of rest and peace. In Him. Because it's our mind, our free will that has gotten us into that mess. And our mind is now corrupted by the stress and all of the things that come with uh, stepping out of the Spirit and doing things our way. Because that's what we do. Not... Only when things are bad, but when things are good for some reason. God, help me, please, please, please help me, Lord. If your plane doesn't crash, I'll never do this again. This again, this again. Okay, it didn't crash. All right, I'm good. I'll see you next time. I need something from you. Because now I'm good. I got a pocket full of money. I just got my bills paid. I got the girlfriend, whatever. I don't need you right now. I got this. Wrong. (laughs) We always need him. And the reason we need to make sure that we make a habit, you know, a relationship is just a series of good habits, a good relationship that you've decided, chosen to, to take on. Regarding another person. If it's neglected, it'll die. You know, I remember when when Jesus told the disciples, you have to forgive. You know, you always have to forgive. Do it immediately. And the there was actually laws pertaining to this sort of thing. And the law was three times. <laughs> and Peter steps up with his big mouth. He's like me. And maybe some of you. I don't know. But he comforts me because it makes me feel better about me sometimes. Lord, how many times do we have to forgive our brother? Seven? He thought he was going to show off a little. He took the... The requirements of the law and doubled it and added one. I'll impress the Lord here. But he didn't. She said, no. <laughs> How about 70 times so? And that blew their minds. And this is the only time the disciples said, Lord, increase our faith. <laughs> he told them, go heal the sick, raise the dead, open blind eyes. Okay. Forgive And that's a good prayer. Although we know now we don't need our faith increased. We need it strengthened by use. Like a muscle. We have the measure of faith. If you're coming down the chow line, right? Everyone was given the measure of faith. Same measure. (laughs) But yeah, that's uh, he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Sometimes we think it's all about us, even after we 
learn to agree with the Lord more, but it's it's not. That's why he gives us marriage, because he wants to kill us. <laughs> That's what I, just like Peter, the example I was trying to make, I, all these young couples that want to get married and they come to me and, uh, and they think they're going to show off. Yeah, it has to be 50-50. I say, wrong. Hundred, hundred. Huh? You have to give a hundred percent. A hundred percent of the time. But she, no, I don't care. And neither does God. Huh? He don't want to hear about her. Not from you. You know who he wants to hear about her from? Her. Hello. If I can ever get people to understand that, they prosper like no other in their marriages anyway. God wants you to fix you. He wants to help you fix you. And just like he told Peter when he asked about John, he said, Peter, you're going to die a pretty bad death. What about him? Don't worry about him. You follow me. Talking about John. <laughs> That's tough. But listen, who would you... You're not the watchmaker. Don't go opening up that delicate instrument trying to fix it yourself just because you think you have ownership of it now because you're married to it. Because you go... Don't void the warranty. (laughs) Not that you can't. I don't know why I said that. But you know what I mean. Send it to the watchmaker in prayer. Oh my goodness. When I finally got all this, my wife has always been better than me. I used to be really bad. And so she was seriously better than me. But when I found that we weren't really saved and I really got born again, it took her another minute. (laughs) She was glad I got it, but it was fake anyway. And she was already there, you see, in her mind. But she wasn't. But for a long time, and I won't even say, but a while, most of my warfare was done in prayer. Because it couldn't be spoken. <laughs> and I, I, I just, I got to where I could picture people with me. And we'd walk right into the throne room, heaven, right up to the throne room of God. And I would have the people with me. And I would, and I would just humbly, not say, hey, fix this piece of junk. No, I would just have it with me. And then I would just... Humble myself right out of it. Pray for them, loving them. And that's when the most breakthroughs would come is when he knew I showed up at the throne with compassion in my heart, with love in my heart for that person and not just saying, fix this junk. (laughs) And sometimes I had large groups with me and it became a habit. And sometimes 
I just had animosity. And then he began to deal with me about that. And then I began to say, Lord, if you're going to use me, you got to fix me. Because I have grown very fond of you, but I don't like your people very much. And you got to fix that. I can't. And I was aware that he was the watchmaker, and I was the watch. And so he began to deal with that and to help me with that and, and to be able to put myself in those other shoes. And so now I stand with the, the Lord at the throne of grace with all of you present many times. Sometimes just one of you or two of you at a time. And, but it's always fun. And you know what I do? If I'm carrying that load when I get there, I all load it right there. And I give it to him, and I make sure not to pick it back up on the way out the door. Because the Lord is my shepherd. And right there, when I dump that load, he restores my soul. Because he said my sheep were never meant to carry packs on their back. Leave it here at the altar, please. Yes, sir. And oh, it feels good to be free. And to be free of the worry for those that I brought to him. When you, when you, when you, when you bring someone to the person, like if someone has a need or a problem, and you say, "Oh, I know exactly who has what you need," or they, "Oh, this person, that's what, that's their, that's their, uh, they excel in that. This is the person we need to talk to." When you get them to that person, don't you just feel good? And that person, "Oh, sure, let me help." Whew. You just did a good deed. You got them where they need to be. That person was willing and able, and there, man, you just, you just met a need right there, indirectly. But boy, it feels good. Same way with God. Leave it there. Leave them there. They're in good hands. And he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. It's not about us, is what I was saying. And a lot of times, we still think it is. And while he loves us more than we think, and as much as anybody else, which we can't seem to understand that. He, he always loves us a little, little bit less than everybody else, and we know why, and that's understandable in our minds, but it's not. He doesn't think like that. He loves us because he is love. And he loves us because we chose his son. And he credits us with everything Jesus has accomplished. Just as if we had done it ourselves. It's on our account. But he's leading us in the path of righteousness for his namesake. First of all, for his own reputation. His word is true. He is holy. And he is righteous. And he's going to lead us. In that way, because we're his children, he's going to show us the ropes. Just like any good daddy shows his children the ropes to the best of his understanding and knowledge and experience and all that. 
And when you get a certain age, you figure out your daddy is the dumbest guy on earth and you know everything. And how did you get so smart? And he's just an idiot. And then you get a little older and you go, golly, he was smart. And I was dumb. (laughs) He was brilliant. (laughs) And I'm still an idiot. (laughs) But... We have to remember as Christians that we have a great responsibility as well because it's his reputation that's on the line when we call ourselves Christians. Lord knows the the world uses that against him every day. I know some Christians. (laughs) Because they look at you And they judge you by the Ten Commandments. Hmm. This one, because when you call yourself a Christian, in their mind you're saying that now you are a Ten Commandment holder. They don't understand Christianity. And what they know about it, they think is legalism because they think of the Ten Commandments. Honestly, they do. And they think that now you've proclaimed yourself to be self-righteous. And... They don't know the Ten Commandments, but they know that nobody can do it. And they try to see every flaw they can so they go, okay, that ain't real. But they don't understand the new life, the relationship you have. And that if they could really hold those Ten Commandments up and see you, and then... Elijah was there and say, Lord, open their eyes so they could see. And they, all of a sudden they see Jesus standing behind you. Excuse me? You want to hold that mirror up to me? Because they get credit for this. <clears throat> but still, since they don't know that, we need to do our very best to be a good witness. A good friend to Jesus, just like he is to us. You know? That's what Paul says. Romans 12, 1 and 2. He says, listen. Because of everything he's done for us. Don't you think it's our duty just to live for him? (laughs) Be a, a living sacrifice? And to renew our minds according to the word so that we can live this life better. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because he's with us. For you are with me. He's not expecting us to never be fearful because we got this. He's expecting us not to be fearful because just like that image I just painted, he's, He's with us. He's right there. Never leave you, never forsake you. If you really understood and believed the validity of the statement that if He ever told a lie, we would all come undone at a molecular level. Disintegrate. And He said it. He will never leave you, never forsake you. He's with you.
And he don't feel like he has to prove it all the time. You're supposed to believe it. And the more you believe it and say it and don't doubt it, the more he will show off and show you. He's fun like that. But you get Bill Mars and and uh, what's that lady on the, the view, the whoopee, tootsie whoop, people like that. He, he, he will never, ever prove himself to them. Not on their terms. He doesn't. He doesn't have to go down that low. He would love for them to come to him, though, in humility and be found by them. His promise is for them just like it was for us. Amen. He's always with us. I'll fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The rod and the staff of the shepherd are not used to beat the sheep. I wish I could beat a lot of preachers with it. I'll repent later, don't worry. <laughs> there, was a, there was a couple of actors in Hollywood that said some really filthy things and disgusting things that I used to admire. Oh, De Niro and the Easy Rider guy recently. I told somebody I'd like to beat some manners into both of them. And then I'd pray for their healing. <laughs> People don't get my humor sometimes. But I still love them. But doggone it. Riding the staff, they comfort me. The shepherd uses that to beat off the wolf. Doesn't he? To drive those... A way that would harm the sheep. But to comfort the sheep. God uses his word. As the rod. The rod is for correction by the way. But he uses his word to correct us. Those of us who love him. And want to do things his way. We know when we're off course. You know. There's a lot of different type of people and different levels of Christianity. There's baby Christians, there, and then there's those. That, I love the ones that are mature, and they know. They know as much as I do about the Word, and so all they have to do is agree with God. Now, getting there sometimes is tough, but it's good to know the truth anyway. Because if we can do, if if. If it has something, to, if we have a part to play in it, then we have a part to play in it. Otherwise, if it's just whatever God's will is, that's what will happen, which is a lie. Then we have no choice in the matter, do we? But if there are things that we can do to get back into agreement with God, into agreement with his spiritual laws, governing, governing our health, governing our prosperity... Governing our relationships, governing our work, and it's all in here, by the way, then that's good news because then there's something we can do about it. We can get excited about that again. Right? You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. This is another great picture. Of, of, of realizing that he'll never leave you or forsake you. He's with you and he's preparing. How about if you took this table 
He walks in the room. Okay, you're out there in that vast ocean. This time you're just in a place where you shouldn't have ended up. But now you're in big trouble. You got these, these giant bullies all around you fixing to beat you down and kill you. And into that door walks Jesus Christ. And you're his. There And he comes over and he grabs up a tablecloth right here. And he just, all these big meeting guys are big. They tear your head off. And he just starts preparing a table. He sits you down, treats you like a king, fills your cup till it's overflowing. Looking at them like, oh, this is going to be fun. That's your Lord. That's your shepherd. Take it personal. Believe it. The more you believe it, the more you receive it. The more you doubt, the more you do without. It's just the way it is. That's the spiritual law that God has in place for you to receive, to partake of this protection and presence of God is your trust in them. Your faith, your belief. My, he anoints your head with oil. Your cup overflows. You know when, and I'm almost I'm done here. But my cup overflows. You know when in Exodus. When the children of Israel were taken out of bondage in Egypt, they went out into the desert, and God provided supernaturally for 40 years, didn't he? Food, manna from heaven. It rained down, little wafers of some sort of cakes, you know? And it sustained them. It was everything they needed. It came down six days out of seven. And on the... The sixth day, they gathered enough for two days so they didn't have to collect anything or do any work on the seventh. That's a picture of God's rest that we've entered into in Christ. He is the Sabbath rest. But it says those, and and then they use that, it says they gathered according to however much they could eat. That's how much they got. And then they use that as an example of prosperity in 2 Corinthians It says, he who gathered little, he who gathered much, didn't have too much. And he who gathered little, didn't have any lack. The lesson in that, the spiritual lesson in that, is about the size of the cup. If we want to receive more of God's blessing and provision we have to build a bigger cup you're blessed to be a blessing you want to be more of a blessing and we're the, we're the sprinkler right if God can get it to you, through you he'll get it to you and the sprinkler always stays wet build a bigger cup the size of the cup is our capacity our, to understand the Word of God. 
the promises of God, the spiritual laws that God has put in place and our our understanding when we do understand it and believe it we will agree with God the more you understand about him and his ways you you will agree because his way is perfect and he is love and he does want you to prosper my children I wish that you would prosper and be in good health even as your soul prospers as a direct correlation with your physical prosperity and health to your mental, your soulish understanding and application of God's Word. And so, you don't give... Uh, a seven-year-old child a thousand-dollar allowance. What? They don't know what to do with that, and they're gonna they're gonna misuse it. They're gonna mishandle it if they're just left to their own selves. It's not within man to direct his own steps, much less a child. Right? And the same with us. Why would God give us more than we can handle? Why would God give us something that we're going to misuse, something that He would have to, that we would use to end up opening doors for the devil to come in and steal, kill, and destroy? Why would not He, why wouldn't He withhold that for the time being until you can? Attain a higher spiritual understanding, a higher level, so to speak. Because with God, the reward for success in the Christian life is more work. He said, Ah, you've been faithful with little, I'll give you more. (laughs) But I'm not going to give you more. When it would destroy you. So come back to the watchmaker. And let's. Let's tweak a couple of things. It's just minor adjustments. And it's not going to hurt if you. Put your trust in me. Because I'm not here to hurt you. I'm here. My rod and my staff. They're here to comfort you. I'm here to protect you from the wolf. Not throw you to him. And then, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. I tell people all the time that the blessing of the Lord makes one rich and he adds no sorrow with it. And I ain't talking about money. Just like good behavior is the fruit, not the root of our salvation. It's the product of salvation, not the cause of it. So is physical prosperity a byproduct of the spiritual prosperity and blessing of God that we walk in in Christ. And oh... 
mercy and goodness will hunt you down and take you over when you live a life in agreement with Christ. And it doesn't matter. Things will fluctuate financially, physically. You will go through things, but the better you get at just putting your complete confidence and trust in the Word of God and the promises of God and what He says about that particular situation and circumstance instead of what the other sources of the world say, that faith muscle will begin to strengthen as that track record and the, the books that you fill get deeper and the stat gets higher. And as you can choose any one of them from your path and this journey with God and you open to any page and you say, I remember that prayer. And yes, he answered it and he was faithful. Yes, he came through again. Yes, he came through again. Yes. And then some. Why wouldn't I trust him now? Why wouldn't I trust him now completely? Father, thank you. Thank you for loving us so much and teaching us and growing us and protecting us. Thank you for being our Lord and our shepherd. A good shepherd who watches over us and protects us and provides so well for us. Thank you, Lord, that we can come to you to restore our souls and to get us back on path with you and at peace and rest. Thank you, Lord, for providing so well for every aspect of our lives, spiritually, physically, mentally. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for loving us. Please do not allow the enemy to steal this word from us. Cause it to take root and bear fruit in our lives. And help us to help others to understand these truths. In Jesus' name, amen.